What's up, everybody? Welcome to Masters of Modern in 2019. This is Ben Bateman, and we are about to give you guys an awesome, awesome preview card with a preview that was provided by Wizards of the Coast for free in total support of the show. So thank you so much to Wizards of the Coast for their continued support. Um, this is going to be a great year for the show. Stay tuned, guys. Coming up on the show, you are going to hear us do an on-the-fly episode using a handheld recording device. Hopefully the audio is awesome. Um, thank you guys for all your support in 2018, and... Enjoy the show. Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? We're, this is a crazy one. Uh, I can't believe this is happening. We're in a vortex called Hong Kong. Yeah, uh, you finally followed me here, and it's crazy. It's insane. We're recording this. It's the first thing in the morning in a hotel room, uh, and we're trying to make sure you guys get the content we know you deserve in 2019. So this is our preview card for um, the new Ravnica set. Yes. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reprint. We'll, we'll tell you that right now. It's definitely seen a lot of play in the history of Magic, and we're excited to see if by bringing it out to the market recently it'll do a little bit better. This is definitely a card that I feel is pretty uh, forgotten by most people. Um, I like I know about this card because, as you know, Highlander Roulette's the thing I do, so you just dig for extra copies of any effect you can have. But in modern, historically, this is not a card that has seen a lot of play. Um, but it is definitely going to affect standard because you know standard doesn't have a lot of the modern cards that uh, we're so familiar with playing. So uh, yeah, if we were making like a top. Remember, today we're going to do, and it's based on the card, a top 10 list, but uh, if this was a top 20 cards ever, this probably seen a lot of play in history. And in modern, just people having more access to it and, and as a value option is probably a pretty good option. I definitely have played it. Um, so we are going to give you guys a quick 10 seconds of shout-outs right now. Uh, and those 10 seconds are that we have a Twitter and a Patreon and a Facebook and all kinds of fun things. But if you stay tuned at the end of the episode, we're going to give you like an actual roll of things where you can find us. So stay tuned at the end of the episode if you guys want to help support us. That's the place to do it. The big one is that we're on Twitter, at the MMCast. So you can go check it out. And there's an image of the card on that Twitter. I think without further ado, we should just get into the card. Yeah. Uh, so the card is one mana for an artifact. Target player exiles a card from their graveyard. Tap to do that. Uh, one mana, sacrifice this card. Exile target card from a graveyard, draw a card. It is Scrabbling Claws with uh, new artwork from James Pyek. Uh, James Pyek. It's or Pake. P A I C K. I should not be. I, that should have been you reading it. Yeah. Well, I would have done the exact same thing as you. To be no, fair, it's actually really amazing. If you go to our Twitter right now and or Instagram, you'll be able to see it. It's like a, a robot claw machine, um, which is. I always kind of imagined this more as like a like a hand that was walking around because that's what the other art was. But this one, it's like a scrabbling. It's like a like a garbage constructor thing. A garbage constructor construction <laughs> thing. Garbage construction thing. It's a crane. It's like a claw, like the claw. That's like the Truman Show. No, the liar, liar. No, the- oh, that is from liar. I was more. I was trying to reference um, Toy Story. Right, right, right. But I'm sick. If you can't tell. Yeah, well, this is a whole hodgepodge, guys. We're recording on a handheld device. It's actually the same device that you guys bought us with the patreoncom slash at one point called the Zoom. That's how we record. And normally we have mics. This time it's like a handheld operation in a hotel room. So we today, in honor of Scrabbling Claws. Um, are going to do our top 10 graveyard hate cards in modern, which should be an interesting conversation for you guys because if you're a newer listener, you may not know about all of these. 
Um, you probably know about one or two of them because they're you know prominent. You've played a lot, but there's probably a couple on this list that you don't know as well. So uh, we are going to have a whole conversation about the top ten graveyard hate cards in modern. Um, you know, as an honorable mention, I think we should immediately get into discussing Scrabbling Claws and just sort of the difference between <laughs> its obvious comparison, which is Relic of Genesis. We should just compare the two because I think that's like that, that's going to be the one everybody looks at and says, should I play this or should I play Relic, and why would I? Yeah, well, I think that it's. Scrabbling cards is, clause is a surgical a surgical tool where uh, relic of progenitus is more of a um, a nuke, and so if you're using your graveyard in any serious way, scrabbling cause is better than relic of progenitus. Now we're gonna today we're doing a top ten list of top ten uh, graveyard um, hate cards, and so we're kind of talking about other options, and probably as each, we go over each one, we can talk about it's this scrabbling clause strengths against those cards, um, but this one definitely is meant to. Kind of through the game, keep your opponent's graveyard low, but then if you need to, be able to get rid of a key card um, that will prevent your opponent from winning the game. Yeah, it's uh, it's an artifact cantrip. Those are always playable. Right. I mean, I, I, as you mentioned, and and like I think modern is such a graveyard dependent format uh, in so many ways that you don't want your own graveyard to be gone. I mean. Um, like, like for instance, like you, if you do not want to be playing Relic of Progenitus in your own Phoenix deck, that's just, just not something you're going to want to do. And in a blue-red deck, you don't have access to the really good white options, so you're going to want to play an artifact. And you know, it's obviously you could splash into black and like try an Isle Spellbomb, but like you're probably a straight blue-red deck. Well, yeah, I, mean, I think Surgical Extraction is definitely the card that Sphinx decks would play, but I think like a, a, a Lantern Control deck that maybe is playing a little bit more out of the graveyard or a, a deck that is looking to just have maybe a, a fifth copy of Relic Progenesis or sixth copy of Relic Progenesis, because there's definitely cards that combo with Relic sometimes. So I think there's a bunch of different options here, and it's just figuring out um, what the best one is. And let's, let's why don't we get in the top ten list. And this one's at an uncommon, right? This one is a, a, a un- uncommon. So now we're going to have an uncommon in standard card that you can get easily to play in modern because, you know, relics aren't that easy to get your hands on. They're a few bucks. Yeah, and, and in standard, I would say that this is, uh, a you know, Phoenix decks now have a little bit of a harder field to fight through because this is definitely a good card to fight those decks. Absolutely. So uh, without further ado, this is going to be the top 10 graveyard hate cards in modern. Number one. Uh, no, number 10. Number 10. <laughs> uh, Remorseful Cleric. This is the new spirit that uh, for two and a one, it's a 2-1 flyer for two that uh, you can remove it from the game or exile it to, or sacrifice it to exile target player's graveyard. What I love about this card personally, I mean, obviously it fits into the spirits decks and like Bant Spirits is a huge deck right now. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best decks. But what I especially love about this card, and they did the same thing with um, Selfless Spirit the year before, two years before is that now a 2-1 flyer for 2 mana with like a strong no-mana ability, right? You can just sacrifice it. Is playable in the Spirits deck, but it's also playable in like any kind of Hate Bears deck, any kind of deck that just wants to be putting a clock and have ways to interact with your opponent. Um, I think cards like this are essential. I like that they keep printing them, and I was stoked that they printed Remorseful Cleric. Like, this deck, this card should see play in any number of kind of aggressive decks in modern that want to have a little bit of utility for years to come. Well, I think this is the most recent card printed on this list. Uh, so number nine? Yeah. Tormod Script. This is a zero-man artifact. You can sacrifice it to exile a graveyard. Yeah, Tormod Script is a classic. It's, uh, I mean, this is, I think, when was Tormod Script originally printed? Be- not beta, right? Maybe? Maybe. No, Antiquities, maybe? Yeah, it's like older than me. I mean, I'm not 
I'm older than Magic is, but <laughs> it's an it's an old card. Um, like I don't. I'm trying to remember I, while while we're talking about this, I'll look it up so I have that information. But like I know this this did get a reprint, I believe, in uh, Time Shifted, didn't it? Didn't this wasn't yeah, this in Time, time Spiral? There's, there's a Time Shifted version. Uh, the, the on a power level perspective, it's a free artifact, and that's always something that has seen play. And there's a ton of decks that want free ones versus something like Relic. It is a targeted, so you hit your opponent's side of the graveyard. You don't have to hit your own, so another strong point that we brought up. Um, and the last one is it's because it's a zero-mana artifact. That's the, from the dark. The dark. Yeah, it's from the dark. Uh, because it's a zero-mana artifact, it's um, tutorable with uh, effects like... Um, Trinket Mage or Tezzeret. But more importantly, Teleria West. Yes. yes, yes. Fan favorite. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's an interesting card. I think where it really plays, where it has, like, some significance is that there's always the decks that want to max out artifacts early to turn on a Mox Opal. And so anytime somebody is trying to come up with some new concept of how can they do something cool, and does Mox Opal fit in their deck? Because obviously Mox Opal is an incredibly powerful magic card. Torment Script has the utility of being a graveyard hate card that, like, if you were to play one of these in the main deck of an artifact-based deck, you wouldn't hate it because Modern's so graveyard-driven. So anytime you have a zero-mana artifact that can turn on an opal on turn one, there's pretty significant value to it. And I've definitely messed around with Tormod's Crypt. Some of you guys probably remember a couple years ago playing at that GP with that, like, uh, that was the Claws of Gix deck, the Greater Gargaron Claws of Gix deck. And there was versions of that deck that had a crypt in the main just because it was another zero-mana artifact that I could get out early on. Yeah. Uh, number nine, or eight, Rakdos Charm. So this is a black and a red, and it does three things, because it's a charm. Um, let me pull it up. The first one is Exile Graveyard, hence why it is on this episode. The next one is... Exile Target Player, so it's it's black, red, instant, choose one, Exile Target Player's opponent's graveyard or player's graveyard? It's It's Exile All Cards for Target Player's Graveyard, Destroy Target Artifact, or each creature's... Uh, each creature deals one damage to its controller. So, really good back in the Splinter Twin days when someone went infinite and then you just cast Rakdos Charm. Doing and just kill them. Yeah, just kill them immediately. Um, and then good against Graveyard Hate. Obviously, it's a charm, so it's very versatile. The the Ravnica Charms are also really good just from the fact that they are so inexpensive So and, and instant speed. So, when they are good, they're really good. Yeah, this one has seen a lot of play. I've probably played... What? How many of the original charms see significant play? I've probably played four of the charms in tournament magic in modern. I've played I've played a Golgari charm in a deck before in modern. I've played a Rakdos charm in a deck before in modern. I've played a Boros charm in modern. Uh, am I missing a good one? Am I forgetting? I, I I guess I've probably played an Orzov charm like once, maybe. Can you remember? Uh, any of the others? I mean, Gruul charm sucks. You would never play. You'd never play Selesnya or. Or, or uh, the blue white one, Azorius Charm. I, 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 you can you see Azorius Charm randomly seeing play once in a while. Orzov Charm maybe the real ones are Is it Charm, Rakdos Charm, uh, uh, Golgari Charm are the three I think that see the most play. You just reminded me, Is it Charm is the most played? Yeah, yeah, and that's the one I forgot. Oh, Boros Charm. Yeah, those as I said yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a classic example of me talking and Alex not listening to a word I was saying, evidenced by all the things he suggested that I just suggested. So but I, I did miss. Uh, yeah, time. I get it. I get it. Um, but yeah. Rakdos Charm is sweet. All right. Uh, next card is Rest in Peace. Uh, white in a colorless enchantment. When Rest in Peace enters the battlefield, exile all cards from your, all graveyards. If a card or token we put into a graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. Um, Rest in Peace is just a house. I mean, it's it's if you have no graveyard interaction and you're playing white, this is the graveyard card to play. This is top. This is like top, top of the list uh, of the most powerful 
modern graveyard cards. In fact, the fact that this is we're doing this in order. Yeah. So this is like number six or something. This is number six. Wow. Rest in peace is only number six. The, the problem with rest in peace is that so much of the format is uses their graveyard. So from a, how much play that it sees, it's lower. It's obviously one of the most powerful graveyard spells. And but all the cards we're going to go through, like the next ones, are all played probably more than this, and that's the issue. And and a lot of it is just most decks can't afford. Most decks either can't afford the exile their own graveyard or aren't playing white. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a super powerful card. I mean, I played four of these in my sideboard at Portland uh, a couple weeks ago, and if you can play a deck that's like very very like board driven and like doesn't actually have to interact with its graveyard, this is the best option by a mile. Because I mean, it's just a nuke, two mana. Like this is this fills the Stony Silence role when you sideboard in game two. And you like see it in your opening hand, and you just have like one that's like yes. There's just like you're like this is exactly the only thing that I hope I draw in this matchup is this card. Yeah, and and, and I mean the big deal with it is that like Stony Silence. The difference between this and Stony Silence is that there's a lot of decks that don't play artifacts. There's not a lot of decks that don't use their graveyard. Yeah, I mean it's I would, how many decks do you think? I mean like percentage wise, do you think over fifty percent of modern decks are relying on graveyard? I would say more than sixty percent of decks in modern have some interaction with their own graveyard. So nuking their own graveyard is just not positive. But it's it's not always like... I mean, like, okay, so remember, again, re- referencing just decks I've played, like, remember back in Superior Burning Coco, we would bring in Sony Silence in Game 2, despite the fact that that deck loved to have Aether Vial, because if you were going to lose to one of these decks, if you any, any of them, whether it was like a Lantern deck or an Affinity deck, you still could just nuke their board with a Stony Silence. So he slows you down, but that's fine. And I think this deck, this this card ends up serving that function for a lot of people where if they have minimal graveyard interaction, but they know that this is the best option for them, they'll still play it. Sure. Um, all right, next card is Nile Spellbomb. One mana artifact. You can uh, tap it to exile target's player's graveyard, and then if you pay a black in addition, you draw a card. This was part of the second cycle of spell bombs from the second Ravnica or the second Mirrodin set, and the difference between the original spell bombs and these guys was that the original ones you had to choose which function you pay a mana and you'd either draw a card or you'd get your shock or your token or whatever. These ones, the great thing was when they're placed in your graveyard, you can pay the mana to draw the card, which means if you have any reason to sacrifice permanence like Gargadon or something like that, if you have any, if you sack an artifact or reshape, for instance, you can still pay the one black to draw a card off this using its ability when it's placed in the graveyard. You don't actually have to use the ability to, to remove a graveyard, so it has kind of a dual function there, which I think is pretty sweet. I've always liked that. We've you and I recently were messing around with uh, you know Sahili decks trying to figure out if that card's actually good because I like I'm obsessed with it. And one of the things I liked was you could make a copy of a spell bomb with Sahili pop it, right, and blow it up, or make a copy and sack it to, say, like, a Gargadon and still get the thing. So, like, it has a lot of uh, uh, bells and whistles that go along with its primary function of blowing up someone's graveyard. And, I mean, do, which which cycle of spell bombs in the end do you like better? Uh, the first one, because this is the only playable one from the second set of them, and the first one has the blue and the red one. Is the blue one from the original Bounce a Creature or Gift Flying? Bounce a Creature. The, the blue one from the second set is Gift Flying. And and Pyrite Spellbomb is the well that this and Pyrite Spellbomb are the only two like mainstay staples we've seen in like tons and tons of decks, right? Correct, correct. I've also I've also always been a little bit intrigued with the white one that makes a one one. Um, for the same reason I was sort of talking about, where like there should be cool ways to sacrifice it and then get the value. Yeah, it's just it's just a little too expensive. It's like two mana to sack it to get the one one. So like at that point, I think there've been actually printed cards since then that you can sack for cheaper that get you tokens or like get you more tokens for the same cost well, right if you're going to sacrifice it or you have some way to sacrifice it, you could just play the other one um servo schematic and you get two one ones 
And well, and then I think in uh, uh, Kaladesh block, there's a card that you can for two mana play it and sack it, and then or for like one and a white, you can sack it, and then you get two tokens. Got it. Okay. So yeah. So, so this this really really I think. So what's the better all time if we were doing the one mana cantrip cycle list? Where would where would Pyrite versus Nile on the all time list? I think I think Pyrite would be higher. Just it's been like a staple in like the win condition in like several decks. Correct. Um, next card, Surgical Extraction. This is one Frixian mana. You may exile a card in target player's graveyard, and then they reveal their hand, and you may search their library for all other copies of that card and exile those cards as well. How did this card take so long to catch on? Is it because they had to ban other cards that would cost zero for people to start actually playing it? Well, I mean, there's a lot of pros that, like, classically don't like this type of effect. Like, they think it's bad as, like, a main deck style of gameplay. Because people are like, oh, if I play this in the main deck, I'll get people. And they think that's not necessarily that good of a thing to be doing. So it, like, has a little bit of resistance from that part of the community. Um, And the other half is just, like, there needs to be decks that can get that use their graveyard in a way that can also get nuked by just one of their cards getting exiled. And so, like, Goro's Vengeance decks being good to help this card get better or other decks like that. Back in the old days, uh, this was, I mean, before this card really caught on, like, the very first modern GP I ever went to, uh, or PTQ or something, the first one I ever went to, um, I played, like, a mill deck with, like, Archive Trap and stuff like that, and the idea was that they were going to crack a fetch land on turn one. You could Archive Trap in response, and if you had Surgical, before you'd ever played a land, you would see 13 cards in their deck, one of them hopefully was Splinter Twin, and you would then Surgical Twin out of their deck, and whatever, uh, before they could ever do anything. And as, as stupid and silly as that sounds, it's still like kind of a viable strategy, just having those two cards in your opening hand. Like I, I don't think that that's that bad. Because like sometimes you're just going to two-for-one them. Like Sometimes they'll just have two copies in their hand. It's possible. Um, or at least one-for-one them. Because that's the thing. Is, right? Pros don't like it classically because it's card disadvantage. Because often you hit something out of their graveyard in their deck, but it doesn't affect their hand or the board. Correct. And so, but but I still think surgical like the big the big thing that pushed surgical into the into like the main space was what you said, and then also the fact that the Ataxian probe was banned, so we needed more free spells. There needed spells to trigger things. Yeah, I think that was the other piece is that like not just with Ataxian probes banned, but just in, in general with that card being banned, it became much more noticeable that oh, cards that I can pay to life for free are good, and like. Or cards that I can pay two life for free and gain a benefit are really good. And I think at this point, every single free Phyrexian spell has seen a ton of play. Even the green one has been seeing play for the last three years in Storm decks and other... And, and, uh, are, you talking, are you talking about Mutagenic Growth or Corrosive Gale? Corrosive Gale. Yeah. No, 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 not Corrosive Gale. That's the Kill Flyers. The one that puts a card from your graveyard on top of your library. Noxious Revival. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, so the next card, and this is the one most similar to our preview card, is Relic of Progenitus. So this is, and, and, and I think a lot of people when this first got printed was like, this is a, uh, a like a, a fixed version of Relic of, uh, of Scrabbling Claws. It's one mana, uh, you can tap it to have a target player exile a card from their graveyard. They get to choose the same ability as Scrabbling Claws. And then one mana, draw a card, exile all cards in all graveyards. So... Nuke versus Surgical Tool. So with Traveling Claws, you can get rid of a card. So if there's a specific card you have to get rid of, it's available. If this card is, you know, but versus Relic of Genesis, where it's like get rid of everything. And then this is kind of the rest in peace conversation is can you afford to lose your graveyard? And um, I've, I've always thought that it, I, I thought I've always thought that maybe 
uh, lantern style decks could get away with playing one scrabbling claws over one of their relics just because they do rely on their graveyard existing. Um, but on the other hand, this, that deck's so powerful and tuned that I think that maybe it just can get over their graveyard going away. I mean, I'm pretty certain that there is a, I can't remember it, but I think there's a deck in one of my Highlander wheels that does exactly what you're talking about. It, it wants to play artifacts. It wants to play its own graveyard and it plays scrabbling claws for exactly that reason. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's more targeted. Like, it's just more targeted. That's it. Like, bottom line. But then, yeah, and the Relic Progenesis is just, you draw a card. It's similar to Spellbomb. That, like, the, in modern, generally, the choices between Spellbomb and Relic Progenitus, if you're playing black, you play Spellbomb. And then, if you're not playing black, th- one targeting your opponent only versus targeting everything is a part of the conversation as well. Um, the next card, and these, these are the top three. Uh, to, so, number three is Scavenging Ooze. So this is a green and a colorless uh, for a 2-2 ooze creature. Uh, you may pay one green to exile a creature card from target player's grave or a card from target player's graveyard. If it's a creature card, you gain two life. This is one that people forget. This originally was a commander card. This was like $40 for a long time because it, had, it was printed in a commander deck, and it was played in Legacy, and you couldn't play this in Modern for a while. Um, this was just a card that we all like, was, we were like, oh my god, you know, it's so powerful. It almost feels like now the, the bloom is off the rose. This doesn't... And this sees a lot of play, but it's not dominant in modern like it once was. It's it's the most played card on this list by a long shot, but that's partly because it's the most main deckable card on this list. Like uh, maybe Relic of Progenesis is after that, um, but the fact that you can just play this in any deck and it's like totally fine. And a lot of, like for a while, Jund was playing four of these for Tarmogoyf, like just straight up four and four, because it's really good. Yeah, the. Uh... <coughs> It's it's sweet that it's an instant speed effect that you can repeat you can activate multiple times. Um, the way you you can stack it and kind of go up against what your opponent's doing is really really powerful. Um, I remember like when you and I were tuning Coco a couple years ago, we the whole idea that you could flash this in an instant speed off an activation of a, a vial of two, and then basically respond to whatever they were doing in their graveyard when it when it resolved we was really powerful and was really good and like we had that whole fauna shaman engine where you could search for what you needed at instant speed and then file it in and that got people a lot for me with this deck yeah i mean it does a lot it's a it, it exiles a graveyard it's one of the most efficient graveyard hate cards in the format just by itself it's a life gain card so that means just burn decks have a huge problem once this is on the table as long as you have killed a couple of their goblin guides or you just have gotten a few of your creatures into your graveyard and it's also just a big beater. Like, this thing gets huge real quick, and you have to deal with a 6-6 scavenging ooze in front of you while they're, like, preventing you from doing stuff and gaining life. Yeah, no, definitely. And, I, I mean, I also think, like, um, unless you just mentioned this and I zoned out, but uh, the ability to respond and withstand a lightning bolt when bad players are playing yeah. and they don't realize how many creatures are in the graveyard or they don't or they don't realize you're going to be able to activate it twice. Like, some people just, like, forget. They do, you know, a bad job, whatever. You can, like, noob people out and, like, absolutely withstand a lightning bolt. Yeah, there's, a, like, when this card's in play, there's a ton of things you have to pay attention to. How many green mana sources do they have hope in? How many creatures are in graveyards? How many ways do they have to put cards into graveyards to get creatures out? Out. can't like someone bolting your ooze and then you bolting their creature and then scavenging oozing it so that your ooze is a 4-4 is like a huge swing so like super great also one of the hilarious parts with this is this is one of the only cards on the entire list in fact it may be the only card on the entire list where there's value generated off of things in the graveyard so graveyard hate against this card basically being a graveyard hate card like, right? Like, this card, you get value off of there being creatures. So, somebody's going to nuke a graveyard 
before you can activate your ooze if you're tapped out, knowing they'll be able to stop you from gaining life or getting your creature bigger. Right. Every single card on this list is good against scavenging ooze. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of unique. It's the only one that has that function. But I think scavenging ooze is, I mean, of the cards on this list, I think it's the one I've played the most. Yep. Uh, next card, Graft Digger's Cage. This is one mana uh, for an artifact. Um, and it says creature cards can't enter the battlefield from graveyards or libraries. Players can't cast cards in graveyards or libraries. So it just, it, it doesn't, ex- this is, I think the only one on the list that's not like an exile effect. It doesn't get rid of a graveyard, but what it does is it makes it so you like, turns off snapcaster mage, turns off a lot of ways to get creatures. Like most decks can't fight through this. And its biggest issue, once again, is that if you need your graveyard, it's kind of problematic. But a lot of decks actually can use it because um, there's cards that, like, exile when they come out of your graveyard and then come into play. Or, you know, there's ways to get around this trigger from your own perspective. But then it makes it so just, like, people can't cheat stuff in. It's particularly significant right now as Phoenix is one of the biggest decks in the whole format. So this stops Phoenixes from entering, correct? Yeah, and then it also just gets, like sweet extra wins of any decks that are trying to like cheat stuff in from their graveyard or your, their library. Well, and also it stops quarter calling and, uh, and collected company. Right. That's like, I think that's probably cause and that's like huge that we're talking about. Those are, so it stops like a lot of the green, white value based creature decks. It also stops the current like deck du jour. Like that already is pretty massive. Yeah. The, the fact that it kills just every graveyard deck in general, like dredge can't beat it. Like there's a bunch of cards that it, it's good against on top of that. It's good against all the creature decks. It's just a, very efficient answer to a lot of things. It's kind of like so that new there's the new blue white card um, uh, Lavinia uh, that like I think Lavinia has to be main decked. We we were talking about this and we'll talk about this during our, our review episode of the set um, because I don't think it's good enough to bring in from the sideboard because it doesn't hit things specifically, but it hits everything annoyingly all the time. Um, and this card is kind of similar to that where I, I think this is a sideboard card for sure, but like. It's not as good at just like your deck doesn't work anymore, like Rest in Peace does, because they can get rid of it or anything like that. But what it is good at is just like it makes everyone who's playing against this card miserable if they're trying to do anything on this side of the the spectrum. I mean, yeah, definitely. You slump in your chair. If you're playing a deck that wants to rely on the things, like that's so massive. If you're playing a green white deck and you don't, you're all of a sudden your tutor and your value cards are just dead. They play this card, and unless you just happen to top deck Knight of Autumn, you're just boned. I think, I think, you know. There's an argument that this card this card is as high on this list because of its ability to stop Coco and, and, and Quarter Calling, and maybe that is cheating because it like it's not as high because of its graveyard hating capabilities, but it's still just like one of the most powerful answers in the format and like I definitely think it's top three. Hundred percent. I mean it's and think think about also like think about also like the number of decks that have found ways to like value like use Gravecrawler for value. Right, like anytime you have like something clever like that, that's like really utilizing an additional function, the graveyard is so often used repeatedly. Um, it's just the it's the it's the fact that it's not a single time effect. Spell bomb, relic, they can reset after you pull that off. Right. This thing just sits in play. Yeah, and so last card, top ten, number one. And this is when I, before I said you know this is a little high and seeing a lot of play because of its versatility beyond just being a graveyard hate card. This is. The nukiest of nuke graveyard cards that's ever been printed. It doesn't have the problem of affecting your own graveyard, and it's not even that expensive to cast if you have it in an opening hand. Leyline of the Void. This is the OG. This is like, uh, of the cards on this list, what, the oldest card is Tormod's Crypt? Is this the second oldest? No. You sure? Uh, nope, I'm wrong. It is the oldest. Yeah. Uh, Tormod Crypt is the OG. I would not refer to any other graveyard hit yeah. as the OG. <laughs> Me, like... 
Yeah, Feldens can only affect your graveyard. Yeah, Tormod's Crypt is the OG graveyard hate. But Land of the Void is extremely powerful. I mean, the like decks that don't even have black in it in, in, in the deck play four of these in the sideboard if they just like need to do it. It's also a combo card with some cards. It's just so powerful that you can just make it so your opponent doesn't have a graveyard for the rest of the game and you get to have your graveyard. Once again, there's been two cycles of ley lines printed. Um, but, but both times, yeah. there's only been one black ley line printed because it was in both cycles. Yeah, so there's nine ley lines total and, and the, both black ones are ley line of the void. And despite the fact that it's been printed two different times and it's a friggin' ley line, this card's still crazy expensive. It's still crazy expensive, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, 50 bucks. Because yeah. you need four of them. Or you yeah. need three of them. Like, And that's always a question is do you like... Get an extra sideboard slot by playing only three, but then you're not going to be able to guarantee in your opening hand as well, or do you play four and you're just like, I'm doing it? And like, like the, the two ley lines that see the most play, the other one is ley line of sanctity, uh, sanctity, and that's two white, white enchantment. You have tax proof, uh, ley line ability, but like, I think ley line of void is more powerful than. It depends. I mean, it depends on the time, right? Like, right now in Modern, this is more powerful. In the old days of Modern, when it was dominated by Jund, and you just knew that at the top tables you were going to go up against turn one Thoughtseize every game, and you were going to get Liliana out of the game, Sanctity just ended games. Yeah, like, Sanctity is really good against Burn and Jund, or any discard decks, and then Leyline of the Void, and, like, Lantern, but in the Leyline of the Void, is just like, goodbye Graveyard deck, have a good game. Uh, you're not going to do anything now. There's also a really, really cool interplay that you can get around with the ley lines, like um, obviously in Boggles, like the way they use Sanctity because it's an enchantment, so it helps power some of the things they're doing and it makes their ethereal armor better. Um, and then Leyline of the Void, like you've seen people before mess around with like mono black devotion decks in modern. You know, I mean, it's obviously not like a popular archetype, but the fact that you can start with a high mana cost permanent on the battlefield is something significant. Um, but yeah, I think Leyline of the Void is pretty clearly the most powerful card on this list. I might have, I might have, uh, if we read this list now that we've talked about it, I might move Cage down a little bit, and I might move Rest in Peace up a little bit, just because it's a, such a nuke. Um, but end of the day, I do think Leyline of the Void is probably number one. It, it, the 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 colorless one mana any deck can play Graph Tigger's Cage, and even graveyard decks have played Graph Tigger's Cage because it has like very specific functions that sometimes graveyard decks can get around for me makes it just that that much better like like leyline of the uh, or rest in peace having affecting all graveyards is super problematic for its 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 ranking here and it costing white which is not the most played card in modern color in modern so like and and if you're playing that color you have kind of some better options here so it definitely sees play and it and all of these cards are really good like it, actually the 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 I was surprised how competitive the top 10 Graveyard hate cards category was in general, like cards that didn't make it on Ravenous Trap, uh, Fairy Macabre, uh, Anafenza the Foremost, Bajuku Bog, Scrabbling Claws, our preview card. Uh, also honorable mention, because it would probably be number one, Deathrite Shaman. <laughs> ah, Deathrite Shaman. <laughs> so like, and the, like, and then we're not even getting into Ground Seal or, you know, there's a ton of like bad Graph Diggers cage out there that we're not even talking towards. So and, like, And there's like weird and interesting cards that you would maybe use in certain decks. Like for instance, uh, Withered Wretch is a zombie. So if you're playing any kind of a modern zombies deck, you probably play Withered Wretch. Or if you want some sort of gating effect, you might play Stone Cloaker because it's like pretty interesting and pretty clever. You can return it to itself. It's like a one time get rid of one creature thing if you need like ETBs. Right. And then there's Scavenging Grounds, which is the, uh, the desert land that you can sacrifice a desert, including it itself to exile a graveyard there's extirpate which is just surgical extraction with split second but it costs a mana like there's so many good options out there for getting rid of a graveyard that like 
Partly because, like, just graveyard decks have always been able to fight against it. Storm, Dredge, all these decks are just able to punch their way through a fight. Big shout out to Jotun Grunt, the card that Alex actually played in a modern PTQ years ago. Main deck, right? How many? Main, main deck, two of them. <laughs> I thought it was White Tarmogoyf. I was wrong. It was a mistake. It was a mistake. Good uh, cyborg card, though. Yeah. So sideboard card, just play rest in peace. <laughs> it's not that good. Um, so that's gonna wrap up our top ten graveyard hate episode, guys. Please uh, tweet at us. Let us know if you think that this is the correct list. If you disagree or agree, um, you can find obviously, as I mentioned earlier, the podcast at the MMCast. Be sure to check out our personal twitters, Ben Bateman Media and Cass Wiley. Yeah, I, you said it. Yeah. Our sister podcast, The Command Zone, they also do game nights and extra turns. Jimmy and Josh have like an insane amount of content they're doing now. Uh, and yeah, I guess last thing before we jump out of shout outs, uh, we, you know, this is a quick episode cause we're in Hong Kong, uh, next week we'll do a whole kind of review over the GP last weekend, short blurb. We probably both think that KCI needs a card banned out from under it. Um, and there's a huge debate on which one and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely a whole conversation. Alex and I will absolutely uh, sound off on that once we're back in Los Angeles and have a bit more time um, and expect some cool stuff in 2019. We're excited about the year. It's, you know, that we, we, we aren't going to be out of the country for two weeks at a time together very often. Um, this is the first time that's ever happened. And well, yeah, yeah, possibly more often. But we, we, we are we are excited to keep recording this anywhere in the world. And luckily, our equipment can fit into a backpack. Yes, sir. Uh, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, Patreon.com slash the MMCast. Help support the show. It's the best way to help us keep going. And also, we have a Facebook group, the Masters of Modern Facebook group, that has 5,000 people in it now. So uh, go check that out. And thanks to everybody for all your love and support in 2018. So let's make a great 2019. Enjoy the preview card. And Woo! talk to you guys soon. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator. <laughs>